Hello, welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. And Rick, we are coming remotely. I am not in the same room as you, not in the same studio, not in the same building. Uh, we are coming um, via a, uh, a something called Lucy, right? That's right. That's right. Working from okay. home. All right. Working from home. I mean, trying to trying to stay dialed into the news as uh, as we all take these precautions in these pretty wild times. And I've been uh, trading off duty with my uh, my good friend and colleague Cecilia Vega. Uh, I was at yesterday's White House briefing. She was at uh, today's. We try not to uh, be there at the same time. Um, but I want to get to how all that looks because it is interesting how um, how the White House itself uh, is is dealing with this. There are some you know contradictory uh, messages being sent, but but there are <laughs> there are a lot of precautions that, that that are that are being taken right now that weren't just a few days ago. Um, so, uh, Rick, the, the, the first I think the, the the big thing today is is we are. Seeing the administration obviously deeply concerned uh, about uh, the economic impact as well as the health impact of this pandemic, the stock market has actually now erased every dollar of gain since uh, Donald Trump uh, became president. In fact, as I look at the numbers right now, we are actually below the point, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average anyway, uh, that, that it was at uh, the day that he was inaugurated. Now, he, he was, you know, uh, uh, inaugurated uh, on January 20th, 2017. The market's been, you know, as he's told us many, many, many times, has had record, new record, new record, new record. Well, uh, now we are seeing not quite a record uh, stock market slide, but pretty darn close and, and records in terms of, of raw numbers. But Rick, what I can tell you about this, uh, this economic stimulus plan, and again, nobody likes to use the the, the words the Republicans, particularly, uh, that were used during the financial crisis. So they try not to use words like bailout or stimulus, but whatever you want to call it, this economic recovery uh, proposal, uh, the centerpiece, the most expensive single piece of it, appears to be uh, these cash payments that will go to to Americans. And what I can tell you that I've learned on this is that the uh, the, the White House, uh, the administration is pushing the idea of two different payments, at least uh, one that would go out as soon as Congress can pass this and the Treasury uh, Department uh, can, can, can move the checks out or the direct deposits out uh, by uh, realistically late April. Then there would be a second round that would go out roughly uh, two months later, uh, assuming that we are still in a national emergency. Those payments, I am told... Uh, will be in in excess, at least of what the administration wants, in excess of a thousand dollars per person. Um, this is about five hundred billion dollars uh, worth of direct payments going out. And the reason why we can't put an exact dollar amount on this is one of the things being negotiated is who gets checks. Um, and the lower uh, the, the lower you make the cutoff, because nobody wants checks to go. Uh, to uh, you know, as 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 Bernie Sanders would say, billionaires or, or, or millionaires. Um, so the question is, where do you cut off the, the the income limit? And the lower that income limit, theoretically, the uh, the the higher the amount the checks can go uh, to to others. But um, uh, that's what it's looking at right now. I you know, it looks a little bit like you know, throwing throwing hundred dollar bills uh, outside you know out of an 
airplane. Uh, I'm not sure <laughs> what what it, what the economic impact is, although it would clearly provide some relief to, uh, to 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 people who really need it. And we don't know where that's going to land. We also don't know how long this is going to last. Uh, I've been struck, John, by the kind of numbers that are put out there. I mean, initially, what the, the White House called for something like two billion dollars in relief. The Democrats came back and said, no, we need eight. I mean, now we're talking about upwards of a trillion dollars uh, just as an initial that happened response. quickly, too, didn't it? <laughs> it, 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 it? Yeah, that escalated quickly. Yes. And, and, and nobody knows how long this is going to last or how expensive it's going to be. Uh, and and uh, we, we now have a situation where Donald Trump, who has spent so much of his time railing against Washington and against the, uh, the Republican establishment and the Democratic establishment, he needs all of them to come together. He needs the system to work and to work quickly during a very dysfunctional time. I view it as a, uh, in a sense, a wartime president. I mean, that's what we're fighting. I mean, it's, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a very tough situation. You're, you have to do things. You have to... You have to close parts of an economy that six weeks ago were, were the best they've ever been. We had the best economy we've ever had. And then one day you have to close it down in order to defeat this enemy. Already there are signs of, uh, of slowing the fast track. Uh, Senate Republicans are raising concerns. Some Democrats are raising concerns. Bernie Sanders is even making noise about stopping some things from his, his perch in the Senate. And, and suddenly this whole system that has been so rickety for so long needs to world a life very, very quickly. Uh, because as we see it, we see society essentially shutting down in a way that none of us, literally none of us have ever seen in the United States. And, and it must be a little jarring uh, to watch from home for many people as the president has um, established this. I mean, we're only in this, uh, you know, matter of days, but, 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 um, but, you know, having these regular briefings with his uh, coronavirus task force and the vice president. And as we are all uh, trying to take steps to uh, eliminate contact with one another. Let's face it, that's what we're talking about. That's this new phrase, social distancing, which I had never heard before this. Um, I think most people hadn't. But to see the president at that podium surrounded uh, shoulder to shoulder with maybe some of the most important people in the country right now because they are leading this effort. And they sure as heck at those briefings aren't socially distanced. Uh, not only are they not six feet apart, they're not six inches apart. They're uh, they're right there. Now, the White House press corps, we, we, you know, we, we suddenly came to a, uh, a pretty stark realization that, you know, that's usually a very crowded place, Rick. You, you, you know what it's like, especially if the president's going to be in the briefing room. But, but on any day, it's a very crowded and small place. Yeah. And, um, you know, just really just a week ago, you, we were almost at capacity in there. And, now imagine somebody comes down with uh, with coronavirus, and then everybody has to go in uh, self quarantine for for 14 days. You basically shut down, you know, the entire White House press corps. You shut down a good chunk of the West Wing and the coronavirus task force. Very frightening. So, uh, you know, we now have these temperature checks. Checks. That was the first thing. And by the way, I get my temperature checked when I walk in the gate to come on the White House grounds, and then again to go into the briefing room. But beyond that, we have uh, sent a message out to, to our colleagues, to every, every, every news organization, uh, stop sending people to the White House unless you absolutely need to send somebody. If you do so, um, you know, don't, don't, don't send more than you need. So uh, we've asked some news organizations to be entirely remote 
um, you know, my, my, my friend, uh, Iman Javers of, um, of the, uh, of CNBC is reporting every day from, from his house, uh, on a, you know, the, probably the biggest story he's ever reported on mm-hmm. uh, any of us have. Um, and, and we are now, you know, every other seat in that briefing room is, is, is empty. And and, and 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 that's a workplace that's like no other because you're only yards away from the Oval Office itself, where uh, business has not been usual of late. It's it's crazy for me to think that John. It was barely a week ago that we were talking about um, whether the president would camp would 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 cancel his campaign rallies and uh, the next round of voting and, and the primary process and uh, and the president himself was suggesting very loudly and very publicly that this was all under control. Uh, that seems to have changed in the last couple of days. And you've been there for some of these briefings in the last few days. We're going to talk to Chris Christie, a good friend of the president and, uh, and a former governor, knows something about handling crises. It does seem like there has been a concerted effort at the White House to change the messaging around this from we got this, don't worry about it, it's going to pass, to everybody better start listening and listening now. And the full powers of the federal government, uh, maybe belatedly, but now finally, are now working to try to protect people and mitigate uh, these, this incredible pandemic. And, le- and let's hope they're prepared for it. But I will say, and then we'll, we'll take a quick break and come back and talk to Governor Christie, that, um, that there is a little bit of uh, chickens coming home to, to roost here in a very troubling way, which is, um, let's face it, the credibility of information coming out of this White House is not high. Uh, this, this is a president that has spent... Um, his entire time in office uh, eroding uh, or trying to erode uh, faith in uh, a news media. And I, I, you know how much I hate that phrase because we're all individual reporters and individual news organizations that have different roles and different approaches. Um, But he has tried to, uh, you know, to make people believe that real news is fake. Um, Now it's all, it's so incredibly important for them to be able to get, information out in a way that people can trust and the other obvious problem on the credibility front is how much false information uh, has been put out over the last three plus years by this white house and by this president um and now we really need to be able to trust what is coming um from the federal government and i think there are some very good and trustworthy people we see um uh running this uh this task force obviously people like to talk um about Anthony Fauci, but but they're they're, they're good people up there. Um, but you know, let's face it, even in the even in the over the course of this crisis, there's been information that has come from the very highest levels of the executive branch of our government that's been flatly wrong. Um, yeah, that's right. Now, from the president himself at many times. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so let's. I mean, you know, hopefully now there's a real effort to be candid and and uh, and be accurate. Um, but. You know, credibility is uh, credibility is a challenge. So, Rick, let's let's take a quick break. I I see we have uh, Governor Christie waiting in our virtual green room. Um, so we will bring him on as soon as we come back. All right, welcome back to Powerhouse Politics. We are joined now by Governor Chris Christie. Uh, governor Christie, of course, you uh, in your time as governor dealt with some uh, some major emergencies in the state of New Jersey. Of course, uh, the biggest one being Superstorm Sandy. Do you get the sense, are we, are we where we need to be? Is the federal government uh, finally getting to a place where we're, we're, we're prepared and, and, and doing everything that needs to be done? Well, we're getting there, John. I mean, you know, it's, it, we're, we're reacting. 
okay? And, and, and you never in government want to be in a position, if you can avoid it, of reacting. But that's what we're doing. And, and I think especially the last two days or so, um, the president's tone has been exactly, I think, where it needs to be in terms of impressing upon the people of this country the seriousness of what we're dealing with. When you're asking people to, you know, stay indoors, basically, for 15 days, um, you know, for them to comply with that request, um, they need to know that everybody from the president on down believes that it's something that's absolutely necessary to do. Um, and so I think in that way, they've been, you know, they're, they're getting on top of it. I think the president invoking the Defense Production Act today is very important because we are going to pretty soon run low or out of supplies in the medical industry. And we need to invoke the power of American manufacturing to be able to uh, manufacture these things and get them distributed uh, to, uh, to hospitals and healthcare providers all across the country. What's, what's your gut? You, you've, been, you've been monitoring this as closely as just about anybody. How, how bad do you think this is going to get? I mean, you, you, you mentioned the 15 days. That's, I, don't, I don't know anybody who thinks it's just going to be 15 days that we're in this. No, it, in this, it's uh, not, John. You know, that, that CDC I, guideline will be renewed, yeah. Yeah, no, I, listen, I think that, you know, I wrote in an op-ed in the Washington Post earlier this week that I thought that all these measures should be in effect until at least May 11th. Um, and, and I don't think there's any way to avoid this going at least until mid-May um, with people essentially staying, working from home uh, and not having any type of public gatherings of any kind. Um, it's Listen, even then, we're going to experience a, a significant number of deaths in this country. There's no doubt about it. When you see the way the numbers are increasing every day as our testing capacity increases, um, you know, there's no question that this is going to be bad. The, how bad is going to be determined by the behavior of the American people over the course of the next uh, the next four to eight weeks. If we really practice social distancing, if we stay away from each other, stay close at home with our friends and family, um, and do not uh, you know do you know traveling and that type of thing that's that's unnecessary traveling. You know, we can, as, as Dr. Fauci has said a number of times, you know, flatten the curve a bit. But no doubt what that means is there's going to be significant, I think, tens of millions of people infected. Um, and it's going to mean a significant loss of life. Governor, in your op-ed, you, you talked about the need to activate FEMA and FEMA funds. Um, in addition to that, um, the New York Times reporting yesterday that both FEMA and the Army Corps of Engineers are saying they're still looking for directions about how they can be activated. We've heard the, the, the calls for the Army Corps from Governor Cuomo of New York and others. Is there any reason in your mind that you can see why FEMA and the Army Corps would not be involved in the response at this time? Well, I think I, I heard the president announce this morning that the Army Corps is in New York State today meeting with Governor Cuomo. I heard Governor Cuomo say that as well. So that's a good thing um, because New York, as you look at the numbers, the ones that I saw this morning, New York has really now eclipsed Seattle, now more than doubled uh, Washington State in terms of the number of cases. And so New York is becoming kind of the epicenter of what's going on here. And so I think, you know, getting those folks engaged. Now, FEMA 
Um, what's going to need to be done by FEMA is engagement with the individual states. What we need to be considering this is like when you had a when you had Superstorm Sandy that affected New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut predominantly, and FEMA was on the ground in all three of those states to be able to help us through and help with funds. This is a this is a national crisis where you're going to need to have FEMA or at least FEMA funds involved in in most of the 50 states. So you know part of this is going to be how are we going to fund that and and how are we best going to be able to distribute um, and I think the Defense Production Act can be one of them distribute the supplies that FEMA normally distributes to be able to help people with the medical emergencies um, that they have on the ground. So um, I, I think these folks are going to be engaged. And I know Army Corps is engaged today. I don't have a, a recent update on FEMA, but um, they should be engaged with the governors directly. Governor, one of the one of the lasting takeaways and certainly the lasting images of uh, of your response to Superstorm Stan- Sandy was the, the, the bipartisanship, maybe the lack of partisanship. You were criticized in no small amount for uh, for for being arm in arm, hand in hand, maybe even hugging Barack Obama just days before the 2012 election. When you contrast that with what you see from the president today uh, and continuing through his, his news conferences, the daily news conferences, he continues to criticize sometimes in very personal and blunt terms Democrats uh, and, and call them out um, on Twitter. Um, he's engaging a bit on the on the presidential campaign, but also individual governors. He says he's counterpunching, but what goes through your mind when you see the president continue to launch political attacks in the midst of this? Well, I, listen, I think your, your question implies something that we need to address, right? It goes both ways. Now, I can understand as a governor, having been one, when you get frustrated that you want more help from the federal government than you, you may be getting at that particular moment. But I always found that the way to handle that um, was to, to deal with it, you know, in private and to be expressing those things privately. Now, there are going to be times when you have to express them publicly. But the president also, you know, I do think for the most part on this stuff has been what he calls a counterpuncher. Um, and that he's only been responding to criticisms that have been coming from uh, from governors. Lastly, it would help if everybody would stop. Okay, I, the, the guy I've been the proudest of is Larry Hogan, the governor of Maryland, who's the chairman of the National Governors Association. You know, he's been saying we're all in this together and we've got to stop criticizing each other and work with each other. And I think you're seeing many more examples of that than you are of, of what you raised. And I think you're seeing the president do less and less of that. And I hope that you'll see some of these governors do less and less of that too, because you know, the politics goes both ways, fellas. And uh, we are in a presidential race. It now appears that the race is now joined with, you know, going to be vice president Biden against president Trump. And, you know, the closer we get to that, uh, the more hostile it's going to get. The last thing I'd say to you is, you know, bipartisanship is not always rewarded. Um, by your by your own party, by the other party, um, or by the media, uh, because you know you just said one of the lasting images is of you know me with uh, you know getting along with President Obama. They called it quote unquote the hug, even though there was never a hug. The media still continues to call it that. And I will tell you that when I was running for president in 2016 in Iowa and New Hampshire, I heard more complaining about me working with President Obama 
than I heard about any other issue regarding my governorship or my public career. So, you know, the, the public also needs to reward bipartisanship um, and show that that's something that they want from our leaders. And so everybody's got an obligation here. My sense, and we, we, we've, we've talked about, you know, whether you want to call it chaos in the white, in the West Wing, uh, uh, lack of, uh, lack of, 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 of cooperation, infighting. Um, it, it's, been a, it's been really at remarkably high levels, even for this administration, over the past, you know, really over the past uh, a month or so throughout, throughout this, uh, th- this crisis. Uh, obviously, uh, Mick Mulvaney uh, has been uh, removed as acting chief of staff. He wasn't really, as far as I could tell, uh, acting like a chief of staff for a long time before that. Mark Meadows, as far as I know, Rick, correct me if I'm wrong, is still a member of Congress. He is uh, I know he's been spending time at, 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 at the White House. Um, the White House Communications Office often seems to have no idea what's going on with the communications uh, being done by the, uh, by the task force. Jared Kushner airdropped in to, uh, uh, to take uh, a leading role before the president's address to the nation. Um, it, it really seems still unbelievably chaotic uh, at a time when you when it really can't afford to be well listen i think it was you know difficult for the president to make the change that he made in the chief of staff's job at the time it wound up being made um, when you're in the midst of what really is um, an unprecedented national health crisis probably for the last century and so, you know, transitions are difficult no matter what. And and when, you know, Congressman Meadows is still in Congress, it, it, it makes it even harder for who's in charge. Now, ultimately, though, the president's in charge and the president runs the West Wing the way he wants it run. Um, and I, I could tell you, having been a governor, that your staff almost always takes direction um, from you on those type of things. And so, um, you know, I think it's very important for the president to be able to show um, right now that he wants people united together, working together and putting aside whatever, you know, petty disputes they may have had before um, and because the, the, the challenge here is too big. There's no question there's been some, some gaps there because, you know, you've had people switching out of jobs, but everyone's got to pick up their share of the load here and put their egos aside because, uh, there'll be enough credit to go around if the administration is seen as doing a good job on this. And believe me, enough blame to go around um, if they're not. No well, Governor, about that. Governor, just, just before we let you go, I, I heard a phrase from the president today that I've heard people around him talk about in recent days. And I think in part an effort to, to convince him of how serious this is, but also to, to kind of frame his mindset and frame the public perceptions. He used the phrase wartime president. Do you feel like there's a special resonance there? And what does that mean? What kind of actions do you feel like that might invoke in a man that you know very well in President Trump? Well, listen, if if uh, he has become convinced of that, that's a good thing. And I think that um, what it means is that everything should be on the table in terms of executive action. Uh, and, uh, you know, if it means, you know, using the military to help, to deal with this, I know that they're sending two military um, uh, hospital ships, one out to the West Coast and one to New York Harbor. Very important. Um, that adds, from what I can tell, about another thousand beds in each place uh, that can potentially 
potentially be used for folks who are who have need hospitalization. Uh, and so I think it's very important for the president now to understand and be completely focused on the fact that there is nothing else that can be worked on now. There, because there's nothing else we can do to improve the other things that are ailing the country, whether it's the dropping stock market or employment issues or everything else. None of that can be fixed until the coronavirus is put under control. And so um, that's very much like a war because, um, you know, when we were in the midst of any of the major wars that we've been involved in, you know, we needed a complete, unique focus by the commander in chief. Uh, most, you know, the most, you know, analogous one, I think, is World War II. You know, we need everybody contributing, everybody focusing um, to get this done over the next number of months. Um, and that's what I think it is. It's number of months. Um, and let's not overreact to this. We're all being asked to do certain things, but none of us are being asked, except for our medical professionals, to put our lives on the line every day. And so whatever we're being asked to do, we should be doing, and the president should be saying that that's what he expects of the American people. All right, Governor Christie, thank you for taking time to talk to us. We'll uh, we'll continue to check in with you as this uh, goes forward. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, fellas. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, Rick, I, I, I think that one, one, some things about Donald Trump are never, I mean, look, he's not a guy that changes. Um, uh, what, uh, you know, who, who in their 70s uh, changes dramatically anyway. But, um, but, but the, obviously the tone has changed, the approach. Uh, I think there's a recognition uh, by the president himself and certainly by his, uh, uh, you know, by, by, by his top officials that this is the only thing that they need to do. This is the top priority in many ways, like the only priority. But the, the, the thing that hasn't changed, which is just remarkable, is the back padding. Um, that we, you know, we did so much to, we, we did everything great. We've done so well. We, you know, we, we cut off uh, flights from China and that stopped. This. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, the, the virus got here, it is spreading and it's just, there's a discordance there. Um, when, uh, but of course that's just, that's, that's who he is, but it just yeah. sounds so strange to even in the midst of all of the seriousness to be talking about how great a job, not just that they're doing, uh, but that he has done and for him to, you know, rewrite history, uh, as he goes up there and says, he always recognized, uh, the seriousness of this and what needed to be done. Um, when clearly that is not the case. John, he gave himself a 10 this week to, in terms of the response. And whatever the right grade is, I think anyone should acknowledge that we're way too early in this process to be grading anyone. And yep. I can't think it of another politician. It may have been a dumb question. Okay, it may have been a dumb question. Uh, I, I the won't, answer I won't, was more absurd than the question. I won't dispute that notion, but that's yes. exactly right. And there's, there's no reason to engage on that now. And most people, and I think Governor Christie included, would not engage on that. And look, the, the history of this is, is being written as we speak in this extraordinary, unprecedented time. But the, the idea that um, all, of these, all of the responses have been incredible and outstanding and you name your superlative just doesn't match up with the actual facts of this. Uh, and 
we don't know how this is going to be seen to the other side. Uh, I think it's uh, this phrase of the wartime president, I think, is an important one. And, and Governor Christie is among those who thinks it's a good thing if the president thinks along these lines. I had a, a former advisor to, to the, the president tell me the other day, um, look, this is the kind of stuff that Mount Rushmore is made out of. And, and w- whether you want to believe that or not about the president, he is the president at this moment. It is a moment that everyone agrees the federal government needs to have full engagement and a full response on. Um, and I think just as, as Americans and as humans, you'd take that kind of response versus the opposite at this moment. Whether that's a change or not, that is the reality that we're confronting right now. Yes, no doubt. On that note, uh, this is all the time we have for Powerhouse Politics. We will be back with you uh, next week or maybe even sooner. Uh, thank you uh, to our entire Powerhouse Politics team. We will talk to you again soon. <laughs>